Chapters 5 and 6 of That Affair at Elizabeth. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. That Affair at Elizabeth by Burton E. Stevenson. Chapter 5 Deeper in the Maze. I sat for a moment half dazed with this astonishing note in my fingers. Then I read it through again. There could be no doubting the sincerity of the writer, her passionate earnestness. I cannot be your wife. It is quite, quite impossible. But why was it impossible? Clearly not from any lack of affection. If the note proved anything, it proved that Marcia Lawrence loved Burr Curtis far beyond the usual application of the word. Why, then, had she fled? There can be no explanation. There was nothing left but flight. The marriage was impossible. But why should it be impossible? Was not that too strong a term? Yet she no doubt believed it. Something had happened. There had been some sudden and startling revelation, the revelation of a secret so hideous that rather than betray it, rather than risk an explanation, she had fled. But that was such a desperate thing to do, such a suicidal thing, and a woman does not throw away her happiness thoughtlessly. I glanced at Curtis, who had sunk down again into his chair and sat staring straight before him. Was there in his past some unnameable stain which had lain hidden till this last moment, which this stainless woman had shrunk from, horrified? or was there after all another man a man perhaps whom she had never intentionally encouraged yet who had fallen thrall to her none the less who had determined to possess her and who by some trick some desperate throw had managed at the last moment to snatch her away from curtis had she fled from the house of her own volition was there any possible explanation of such a flight none except that she had suddenly found herself face to face with the fact that she no longer loved the man she was about to marry face to face with a future so intolerable that any shame any disgrace was preferable to it yet as i looked again at the note's wording i recognized anew the absurdity of such a theory whatever the solution of the mystery there could be no doubting marcia lawrence's love for burr curtis whomever she had loved in the past it was certain that now she loved only him and even in mrs lawrence's attitude i seemed to discern an affection for him more intense than is usually bestowed upon a son-in-law at least until he has been tested in the crucible of marriage there could be i told myself only one other explanation marcia lawrence had been abducted it was true, as her mother had pointed out, that a single scream would have alarmed the house, but perhaps that scream had never been uttered. It could have been prevented easily enough, and there had been no one with her at the time except her maid. Her maid! And I sat suddenly upright. I felt that I had found the key. It was your daughter's maid gave you this, Mrs. Lawrence, I asked. Yes, she answered, turning toward me with a start which told me that she had again sunk into reverie. She said she had just found it on Marcia's dresser. It's strange, I said, that it wasn't found before this. You were in your daughter's room, I suppose, after she disappeared? Yes, several times. And you didn't see this note? No, I did not notice it. Is the maid an old servant? Yes, she said, Lucy has been in the family for many years. "'And you've always found her perfectly trustworthy?' 
"'I have no cause of complaint against her,' she answered, and though her voice showed no sign of emotion, I saw a sudden trembling seize her and shake her convulsively for a moment. Was it fear? Was it anger? Was it—' Curtis saw it, too, and, attributing it to a very different cause, moved impatiently in his chair. I felt that I was hampered by these witnesses. I must get rid of them if I was to have freedom of action, and without freedom of action I could do nothing. I turned again to the sheet of paper in my hand and examined it with care. It was an ordinary linen, unruled. I held it to the light and tried to decipher the watermark, but only two letters were on the sheet. R.E. The remainder of the word had been cut away when the sheet was trimmed to its present size. It seemed to me scarcely to possess the quality which one would expect in Miss Lawrence's writing paper. The writing was in a woman's hand, a little irregular, but haste and stress of emotion would account for that. As I examined the writing more closely I thought the ink seemed strangely fresh, scarcely dry in fact and yet if the maid's story were true the note had been lying upon the dresser for nearly three hours and lying there unnoticed there's no doubt that miss lawrence wrote this i asked none whatever answered curtis with a quick shake of the head it's her writing i knew it instantly i read the note again and satisfied that i had it almost by heart handed it back to him "'Of course, Mr. Curtis,' I said, "'you must decide one thing before we go any farther. "'Will you try to follow her, even though she expressly forbids it?' "'He sat with knitted brow and quivering mouth, reading the note word by word. "'Yes,' he said brokenly at last, "'yes, I'll try to follow her. "'I'll do everything I can to find her. "'I can't live without her.' "'But if the marriage be really impossible,' I suggested. "'Impossible?' and he turned upon me hotly how could it be what could make it impossible i tell you sir there's nothing on earth can keep us apart but this and i leaned forward and tapped the note yes that i can't explain it at least the only explanation i can give is that it's a hideous mistake a mistake but miss lawrence wasn't an emotional woman i questioned not a woman to be carried away by a moment's passion oh no quite the contrary not a woman who would jump at a conclusion i persisted not a woman who would condemn a man unheard who would overlook the possibility of mistake and be convinced by what we lawyers call circumstantial evidence she was not such a woman at all he said decidedly she was just the opposite of all that that makes it more difficult i pointed out i know i've thought it all out as well as i'm able only there's a blank wall i can't get past besides if there's a reason i have the right to know it yes i assented heartily undoubtedly you have the right to know it there we're on solid ground well that point is settled then and now i must ask you another question mr curtis which you may resent but which it is absolutely necessary I should ask if I am to be of any help to you. I think I can guess what it is, Mr. Lester, and he smiled grimly. Since Marcia disappeared I have reviewed carefully my whole past life. I can find nothing in it which would justify in the slightest degree such an action. I have not been a saint, but at least I have never been dishonorable nor dissolute. Does that answer the question? Perfectly, I said. 
there could be no doubting his utter truthfulness and your family history is neither long nor brilliant my father and mother both died when i was a baby i was raised by my grandparents they lived in new york no on long island my grandfather's name was john curtis he managed an estate belonging to a new york banker he was an honest and honorable man and he is dead yes he and his wife have been dead ten years and more you have no brothers or sisters no nor any other near relatives that was the end of that theory then if the secret did not concern curtis it must concern miss lawrence herself more and more i felt that she was the victim of a plot of the maid's complicity i had not the shadow of a doubt but was mrs lawrence a party to it too i turned back to her she was apparently so busy with her own thoughts that she paid no heed to what was passing how explain her calmness her lack of interest how except on the theory that she knew where her daughter was had assisted in her disappearance and approved of it i felt my blood warm suddenly in curtis's behalf if he had been the victim of an adventuress it should be my business to expose her but a second glance at mrs lawrence's face showed me the folly of such a thought she was no adventuress she was a gentle cultured christian woman who had suffered as all mortals must but had still preserved her sweetness and serenity as few mortals do yet more and more was i perplexed by that indefinable abstraction in her behaviour which seemed somehow out of tune with the circumstances perhaps she was really more moved than she seemed to be perhaps her apparent indifference was in reality only an admirable self-control i fancied that it had given way for an instant when she was telling us the story of her daughter's disappearance if i could only hit upon some way to startle her out of her self-possession i might yet learn she turned suddenly and met my eyes she flushed painfully perhaps she read my thought and instantly i blamed myself for my clumsiness in permitting my suspicion to appear in my face it was a mischance not easily retrieved i have told you all i know she said rising quickly and answering the question i had not uttered i feel the need of rest if i can help you in any way command me thank you i answered and opened the door for her she paused on the threshold glanced around her eyes rested on burr curtis's dreary face in an instant she was beside him bending over him with infinite tenderness dear boy she said so low i could scarcely hear her and smoothed back his hair with a gesture almost motherly dear boy don't worry so i'm sure it will all come right he looked up and smiled at her tremulously with a quick impulsiveness she stooped and kissed him then went rapidly from the room leaving me at least more puzzled than before at this sudden glimpse of unsuspected depths of tenderness i closed the door after her and turned back to curtis has mrs lawrence favored your suit for her daughter's hand i asked favored it he repeated yes from the very first then in your opinion she couldn't have had anything to do with this disappearance advised it perhaps assisted in it no he said decidedly that's absurd and yet i began 
"'If you knew her,' he interrupted, "'you would see its absurdity. "'She has always been most kind to me. "'You saw—' "'Yes,' I nodded. "'She has always been like that. "'She has treated me as a dearly beloved son "'ever since we told her of our engagement. "'There has been no cloud?' not the slightest. She seemed to share in her daughter's happiness and in mine. She has told me more than once that she thought fate had made us for each other. And she helped on the wedding day? In a thousand ways. She and Marcia worked together upon the trousseau. She helped with all the plans. Surely, Mr. Lester, if she objected, she wouldn't have waited till the last minute to make her objection known. Most certainly she would not, I agreed. "'Besides,' Curtis added hoarsely, "'I don't believe that even her mother could have kept Marcia from me.' "'She's a widow?' I asked. "'Yes, her husband has been dead ten or twelve years. Marcia is the only child.' "'She seems to have had her share of sorrow,' I remarked. "'Her face shows it.' "'She has not been quite well lately, but she was always a little, well, sad, it seemed to me. Serious, you know.' smiling sometimes, but rarely laughing. I fancied she grieved for her husband, but I really know nothing about it. She doesn't look very strong, I hazarded, in the hope that Curtis really knew more than he supposed. She isn't strong, but I've never seen her really ill. She is subject to spells of depression, so Marcia told me. Of course, I've known her only six months. So there was an old trouble, as I had thought, beside which this new one seemed of little moment. She had been schooled by suffering. Perhaps I had misjudged her in thinking her indifferent, but it was evident that I could get no further information from Curtis. "'You were at the church,' I asked, when you heard that Miss Lawrence had disappeared. "'Yes,' he answered hoarsely. "'Royce brought me word. "'And you came straight here?' "'Yes. "'And searched for her?' Where could I search? I was utterly at sea. I, I don't remember just what I did at first. But you didn't search the house nor the grounds? Why should I have done that when Mrs. Lawrence had already done it thoroughly? he demanded. True, I assented. After all, I had no right to shake his faith in her upon a mere suspicion. I was overwhelmed, he added. I was too dazed to think. Royce said he'd wire for you. I'm glad he did, for I'm utterly unable to decide what to do. I should like you to advise me. Well, Mr. Lawrence, I said there's plainly only one thing to be done, that is, to find Miss Lawrence and demand an explanation from her own lips. Whether or not this is the wisest course may be open to question, but if I were in your place I think I'd do just as you are doing and take the risk. "'But to find her, how can I do that? "'I can't set a detective on her track.' "'No, of course not,' I agreed. "'But I think we can get along without a detective.' "'We must. "'Detectives talk too much, "'and this thing mustn't get into the papers.' "'I don't see how you can prevent that. "'It was to have been a church wedding, wasn't it?' "'Yes, a church wedding.' "'With an invited list of guests?' "'Certainly.' and they were present at the church, weren't they? Curtis groaned, and I saw the perspiration start out across his forehead. Present, echoed Mr. Royce, I should say they were. The church was crowded, and we were waiting there in the minister's study, worrying because it was so late, when word came. Don't, protested Curtis with a despairing gesture. I'd never thought of that. I've been thinking only of myself. 
"'Of course the papers will have it,' and he groaned again. "'Well, there's no use worrying about it,' interposed Mr. Royce. "'What is done is done. "'The thing is to find Miss Lawrence, "'and if anybody can find her, Lester can. "'I'm sure that five minutes' talk with her "'will straighten out the whole tangle. "'There's been an absurd mistake of some sort.' "'No doubt I assented, "'though in my heart I did doubt it very much. "'At any rate, the five minutes' talk could do no harm.' "'Now you go away somewhere for a day or two "'and leave this thing in our hands,' added our junior. "'What you need is rest. "'Don't worry any more than you can help. "'Let us know where you are, "'and we'll wire you as soon as we have any information. "'That's good advice, isn't it, Lester?' "'Very good,' I said. "'I hope Mr. Curtis will follow it.' "'No, no,' he protested. "'I can't go away. "'I must stay here. "'I couldn't stand it to go away.' "'May I speak to you frankly, Mr. Curtis?' I asked quietly. "'Please do,' he said. "'Speak as frankly as you like.' "'Well, then,' I began, "'you'll pardon me for saying it, "'but I don't believe you can help us any just at present. "'Besides, you need to pull yourself together.' "'That's true,' he agreed, "'and glanced at his trembling hands. "'Take my advice,' I went on earnestly, "'and Mr. Royce's advice. "'Leave Elizabeth for a little while.' "'There isn't much chance of my finding Miss Lawrence for a day or two. "'You must get your calmness and self-possession back, for you'll need them.' "'Yes,' he said hoarsely. "'Yes, I'll need them. "'Very well. I'll do as you say, Mr. Lester. "'Only it's deuced selfish of me to throw my troubles on your shoulders in this way.' "'Selfish nothing,' cried our junior. "'Where will you go?' "'I don't know,' answered Curtis helplessly. "'Go to one of the beaches near New York. "'The sea air and surf will do you good. "'Let us know where you are. "'Then, if we want you, we won't have any trouble finding you, "'and you can get back here in an hour or two. "'There's one thing Mr. Curtis can do,' I said. "'A photograph of Miss Lawrence might prove a great help.' "'Why, of course,' he assented, and thrust his hand into an inner pocket. "'But after an instant's hesitation, he drew it out empty.' "'I can't give you that one,' he said. "'I must keep that one. "'I'll send you another. "'You're at the Sheridan?' "'Yes. "'I'll leave it there for you. "'But please don't use it unless you absolutely have to. "'I won't use it at all if I can avoid it,' I assured him. "'I promise you that it won't go out of my hands. "'Thank you,' he said. "'I knew you'd understand. "'As soon as you have any news, you'll wire me. "'The very moment. "'I want you to rely on us. "'I will.' and not worry? I'll try not to. And he was gone. As the door closed behind him, Mr. Royce looked at me with a somewhat guilty countenance. You see, I've got you into it again, Lester, he began. I hope you don't mind. I don't. Rather the contrary. It's a little out of our line, he added, but for a friend, and I certainly pity the poor fellow, we lawyers have to do peculiar things sometimes. "'I've done more peculiar ones than this,' I said. "'This is, at bottom, merely a matter of finding an important witness who is missing.' "'Thank you, Lester,' he said, and held out his hand. "'I didn't want to seem to be imposing on you.' "'You're not,' I assured him again, and rose. "'Now I think I'd better be getting to work.' "'Can I be of any help?' he asked, rising too. "'If not, I'll take the 410 back to New York.' I think Curtis needs a little looking after. I'll hunt him up and take him with me. Besides, my wife is so wrought up over this affair that she wants to get home. 
"'Very well,' I assented. "'Curtis will need someone to protect him from the reporters. "'It's a wonder they haven't treed him before this.' "'They tried to,' said Mr. Royce, smiling grimly. "'I succeeded in keeping them off. "'He was too preoccupied to notice. "'There's nothing else I can do?' "'No, I think not. "'If I need you, I'll wire.' "'You won't need me.' "'And he smiled again. "'You know I'm no good at this kind of work.' I know you'll be working harder than I will, keeping up with things at the office. Don't worry about that. You intend to stay here? Yes, but only for a day or two, I trust. I can't think it a very difficult task to find a young woman who has run away in broad daylight in her wedding finery. Somebody must have seen her, that is, if she ran away at all. No doubt, he agreed. Of course you'll find her. It's not about that I'm worrying so much. It's about her motive for doing such a thing. It seems preposterous to suppose that any woman in her right mind would run away half an hour before her wedding. Curtis saw her at ten o'clock and found her happy. Yet an hour later she had taken this desperate step. I wonder, Lester, if you realize just how desperate it was. Yes, I said, I think I do. "'Well, I'm free to confess I didn't until I saw its effect on my wife. "'Why, Lester, it was suicidal. "'It means social ostracism, no less. "'Even if it doesn't altogether ruin her life, it will always shadow it. "'It's something she can never outlive.' "'Yes,' I said again, "'it's all that.' "'And yet she was a thoughtful, self-controlled, well-balanced woman who would foresee all this.' who would realize the consequences more clearly than we can do. Lester, what was it drove her to it? Ah, if only I knew, but I'm going to find out. I hope you will, and yet I fear it, too. I'm afraid to think of it. I'm afraid to try to guess the secret. I'm afraid I'll unearth some grisly, loathsome skeleton which should never have seen the light. But I'm sure of one thing, he added his face hardening. I think you suspected, too. What was that? Whatever the secret is, Mrs. Lawrence knows it. Yes, I agreed. I believe she does, and had a hand in her daughter's disappearance. Yes, I said again, I think that very likely. He stood for a moment longer, looking at me as though half inclined to say something more. Then he shook hands abruptly and left the room. As I turned to sit down again, I noticed, in the chair from which I had arisen, something white crushed into one corner of the seat. I picked it up. It was a handkerchief of dainty lace, and it was damp. With tears? End of chapter 5 Chapter 6 An Astonishing Request I sat down and examined my find more closely. I'm no connoisseur of lace, yet even I could appreciate the handkerchief's exquisite beauty. But how came it here, crushed into a corner of this chair? Whose was it? Some instinct, or was it merely a delusive hope, told me that it belonged to Marcia Lawrence, that it was she who had left it here, that the tears which dampened it were her tears, tears of bitter, bitter sorrow for dead hopes and a future which had changed from gold to grey. She had stolen into the library for a moment's peace, that she might face her sorrow and decide what she must do. She had left it, but I shook myself together impatiently. All this was merely theorizing. I must lay my foundation first, get my facts, 
then perhaps it might be possible to build a theory which would prove the right one thus far in the investigation i felt that i had been met with evasion rather than frankness i suspected that an attempt was being made to puzzle and bewilder me i could see that my presence in the house was unwelcome to mrs lawrence well my stay would be a short one i dropped the handkerchief into my pocket opened the door and stepped out into the hall the front door was open and two men were tugging an immense palm through it another was engaged in taking down the wreaths of smilax by the tenderness with which he handled them i recognized the decorator he stopped and looked at me inquiringly as i went toward him i've come down from new york i explained at the request of mr curtis to assist him in finding miss lawrence you i believe are the last person who is known to have seen her i'd like to ask you a few questions go ahead he said beaming with self-importance i'll be glad to tell you anything i know sir do you remember what time it was when you called miss lawrence down to have a last look at the decorations it must have been nearly half-past eleven sir i remember hearing a clock strike eleven and thinking it'd take me about half an hour to get through did you notice anything peculiar in her behaviour peculiar no sir she was very kind and said some nice things about my work she did not seem sad nor depressed oh no sir quite the contrary when she left you did she return upstairs i think so sir at least she started for the stairs i stepped into the dining-room for a moment to make sure everything was all right and when i came out again she was gone was there anyone else in the hall no sir i think not not just at that moment though of course people were passing back and forth through it all the time did you notice a man loitering about a stranger middle-aged dark-complexioned with a dark beard or moustache rather striking in appearance perhaps a little dissolute no sir he answered with a stare of surprise i didn't see any stranger about the whole morning nobody i didn't know i confess i was rather disappointed i had hoped that my shot would tell and you heard no unusual noise no scream nor anything of that sort no sir though i was so busy and worried i dare say i wouldn't have heard a cannon shot when did you learn that something was wrong i heard mrs lawrence asking if anyone had seen her daughter then she sent some of the servants to look for her what time was that about ten minutes after i had spoken to her yes what then well i didn't pay much attention at first but when the bridesmaids came they raised such a hullabaloo that i couldn't help but take notice what did mrs lawrence do why she tried to quiet them i must say she was the coolest one in the house except one who was that miss lawrence's maid she just sat there on the stairs and glowered and grinned and chewed her nails and never said a word she gave me the creeps i could swear she knew all about it and was glad of it i repressed a chuckle of satisfaction here was better luck than i had expected how was miss lawrence dressed when you saw her i asked all in rustly white i judged it was her wedding dress and you say she seemed quite as usual yes sir only of course excited as any woman would be 
though calm too and with a sort of deep glow in her eyes when she looked at you i can't describe it sir but i remember thinking that the man who was to get her was a mighty lucky fellow did you know her sir no i said i've never seen her ah he added closing his eyes for an instant if you'd seen her then you'd never forget it i never will i never saw another woman to touch her and he turned away to his work with the vision he had conjured up evidently still before him as i started along the hall i saw through the open front door a mail carrier coming up the walk i hastened to meet him this was another fortunate chance how many deliveries do you make a day out here i asked as he came up the steps with a bundle of letters in his hand i could guess the belated congratulations which were among them only two morning and afternoon he answered what time in the morning about nine o'clock usually it was about that time this morning yes sir maybe ten minutes after nine who took the mail i put it in the box here in the vestibule as i always do he said and suited the action to the word i watched him as he walked away so it had not been a letter which had caused miss lawrence's sudden panic that reduced the possibilities to two either she had received a visitor or a telegram i must endeavour to a voice at my elbow aroused me mrs lawrence wishes to see you sir it said i turned to find standing beside me the woman who had brought the note to mrs lawrence in the library the woman whose attitude of malignant triumph had so startled me i blessed the chance which made it possible for me to question her alone very well i said are you mrs lawrence's maid no sir i am miss marcia's maid ah i said and permitted myself to look at her more closely she was a woman apparently somewhat over thirty she had very black hair and eyes and her face while not actually repellent had in it a certain fierceness and hardness far from attractive a fiery and emotional nature was evident in every line of it a sinister nature too it seemed to me and i remembered her as i had seen her standing in the library door exulting in another's misery i pictured her as the decorator had described her sitting on the stair grinning and biting her nails in a kind of infernal triumph why should miss lawrence have chosen such a woman to attend her as i looked at her i saw the folly of attempting to win her confidence the whip was the only weapon that could touch her and it must be wielded mercilessly mrs lawrence wishes to see you she said again and i fancied there was defiance in the eyes she turned upon me for the merest instant in a moment was it you who found the note your mistress left for mr curtis yes sir and she glanced at me again this time with a quick suspicion it was on her dressing-table i believe yes sir how did you happen to find it i just happened to see it sir it was lying in plain sight yes sir not concealed in any way nothing lying over it she hesitated an instant and shot me another quick glance before she answered i believe not sir she said at last of course it wouldn't be concealed i said reassuringly miss lawrence probably left it where she thought it would be most quickly seen don't you think so 
"'Yes, sir, I suppose so.' "'And her dressing-table was a very conspicuous place?' "'Yes, sir, very conspicuous.' "'In that case,' I said slowly, "'it seems most peculiar that the letter wasn't discovered at once.' She flushed hotly under my gaze and opened her lips to reply, but thought better of it and started hastily up the stair. I followed her in silence, but I had much to think about. What connection had she with Miss Lawrence's disappearance? What connection could she have? Miss Lawrence would scarcely make a confidant of her maid, more especially of such a maid as this. At the stairhead I held her back for a final question. "'When did you see your mistress last?' "'When she left her room to go downstairs to look at the decorations,' she answered, so docilely that I was inclined to believe her former defiance wholly my imagination. "'You remained behind in the room?' "'Yes, sir.' "'And she did not return?' "'No, sir.' "'Then how do you explain the presence of the letter on the dresser?' She flushed again, more hotly than before. She realized that I had caught her in a lie. "'I—I I can't explain it, sir,' she stammered. "'I didn't consider it any of my business,' she added fiercely. "'I think you'll find it difficult to explain,' I said with irony. "'Even more difficult than how it came to lie there unperceived for nearly three hours. "'You'll pardon me if I find the story hard to believe.' "'It's nothing to me whether or not you believe it,' she retorted, and made a motion to go on again. "'No,' I said. "'Wait a moment. Which is her room?' "'This one here,' and she pointed to a half-open door just beside us. Ignoring her gesture of protest, I pushed the door back and stepped inside. The room was a large and pleasant one, well-lighted and looking out upon the grove at the east side of the house.' There was some little disorder apparent, and over a chair at the farther side of the room I saw a veil lying, no doubt the bridal veil. For the moment I did not seek to see more, but turned back into the hall. "'Nothing there,' I said, as though my inspection of the room was ended. "'I suppose you helped Miss Lawrence to dress?' "'Yes, sir. And she had on her wedding gown when she went downstairs?' "'Yes, sir, all but the veil.' "'What was the color of the gown?' "'White, sir,' she answered, with evident contempt. "'White satin made very plain. "'With a train?' "'Yes, sir, with a train.' "'Thank you,' I said. "'Plainly, a woman garbed in that fashion "'must be a marked object wherever she went. "'Then, seeing that the maid waited for further questions, "'I added, "'That is all, I believe.' She opened a door just across the hall and motioned me to precede her. I found myself in a pleasant sitting-room and looked about for Mrs. Lawrence, but she was not there. The maid went to an inner door, which stood half open, and knocked. In a moment came a low voice, and I heard a rustle of draperies. Instinctively I knew that Mrs. Lawrence had been upon her knees— but I was not prepared for the deep distress which I saw in her countenance the instant she appeared upon the threshold. So worn and drawn was it, so changed even in the brief time since I had seen her last, that I scarcely knew her. What had happened? Was her self-control giving way under the strain, 
or had there been some new shock, some more poignant blow which she had been unable to withstand? She came straight to me where I stood staring, perhaps a little brutally, and lifted tear-dimmed eyes to mine. "'Mr. Lester,' she said in a choked voice, "'I must ask that this search for Marcia cease.'" End of chapter 6